Hello and welcome to Portroidcast episode 32. As always, I'm Rick. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going way back to July of 2011. I recently found a recorder that I used to use to record my interviews and found on there some interviews that I never posted. This set of three interviews is from San Diego Comic-Con at the uh, Hub TV 40th anniversary of the television show Batman. The three interviews are uh, roundtable interviews, so there'll be other media people doing interviews along with me. And uh, the first is with Adam West, the second is Julie Newmar, and the third is Burt Ward. I think that there's a lot of great information in these interviews, and I think you'll, you'll find it very fun to listen to. And uh, on top of that, um, I think one of the reasons I never posted this in the first place was there's a lot of background noise, so if you find it too unreasonable to listen to, then feel free to skip this episode, but I, I do think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of fun stuff in there. So uh, without further ado, enjoy. Um, I'm Matt Gelton. I'm from BatmanNews.com. It's a Batman fan site. Really? Good. Thank you, Matt. Um, I'm Thayya Fedesian. I'm from the Flickcast in Burbank, California. Uh-huh. I'm Mike Robin. Talk to me here. Hey, Mike. I'm Molly Mahan. I'm with Geekscape.net, and I'm from L.A. Rick Dumint, I'm with Portroids.com, Polaroid Portraits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me go on the bot- about.com, cover San Diego. How many comic conventions have you been to so far? I'm how sorry? Many, how many times have you been to San Diego for the comic Uh I've been here, uh, I think, three times. Uh, some years ago, and then two years ago, and today. And it's amazing. You know, I really admire the guys who, who did this because they built it from a small hotel to this. What, 130,000 people or something. Yeah. And it's great. You get a chance to meet the fans and, and to see what they're thinking. This morning, I sat in the, a panel with William Chatter, uh-huh. and he was doing a documentary called The Captains. It's premiering tonight. And he interviewed all the other actors that played the captains in all the other Star Trek movies for the documentary. Interesting. And I was huh? thinking, would that be something you might pick up on and be an interesting project for you? To do? I think you're right. Um, but I don't know if they would lend themselves to that kind of enterprise. I think uh, when he was talking about his his endeavor, he was wondering if they would as well. Yeah. Because he had never met most of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We, we could certainly uh, give it a try. I think it'd be yeah. Yeah. It could be. could be. Absolutely. You know, mine was quite different from the others. Yours is a bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was going to ask about the humor of the show. Um, I think... I mean, as, as, I as a kid took like, very seriously the show, whereas I think adults always found the humor in it. How did you, when you were interacting with fans, like how did that come across? Like when the kids would come up to you and take it very seriously, and the adults would. How do you feel about making that kind of, the kind of humor on the show? Well, it's always fun for me to interact with anything because from the show, they somehow got really good memories. And they're always funny when they come up to me. 
and the kids, of course, uh, I love those kids, and, and I've got six of my own. But, um, you know, you, you always see something humorous, and you learn something from, from everyone. If you're listening, you really have to listen. And I don't mind. How'd you first come to the role? To the role? Yeah, how'd you? Uh, I, I had just finished a movie in Spain and Italy, my Spaghetti Western. And I came back to the States to visit the family. And my agent said, kid, they want to see it at Fox. And uh, it's about a new thing called Batman. I said, well, Batman, what, what? I'm trying to have a serious career here. But I got curious because I, you know, played Batman as a kid and read the comic books. So I went out and I read the pilot script. The pilot script was so brilliant, so much fun, and on different levels by Lorenzo Seppel Jr. that I said, yes, I want to do this. So they signed me that day. Was that, was that simple? I have to ask this. What do you think of all the other Batman interpretations? Like, what do you think of... Uh, I don't think about it. Not at all? No, I really don't because they're all very fine, you know, performers in their own right, and they do good work. Um, and how suitable they are for the roles of the Dark Knight and those kinds of movies, uh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, with all the talent and the money and the effort, you know, associated with those movies, they've got to be pretty good. What do we have? We had a little makeup and no special effects and much, you know, and we just got out and did it. And I think sometimes I, I feel just a little bit envious that we didn't have that kind of advantage. And on the other hand, it forced us to really be inventive, the individuals, and to do things that were hopefully very fresh and spontaneous. Yes, there was improvisation. You know, I'm an actor who loves to play the moment. And, uh, you know, I use whatever's around me. Um, that's why I enjoyed doing scenes, for example, with the late Frank Gorshin, because Frank was always kind of the same on the edge and almost maniacally involved, which was good. You know, it keeps you on your toes. How much input did you have with the scripts um, when you read through them for the week or the week the episodes taping? Did you feel sometimes that they even went even farther over the top than maybe you thought the TV character should should be, or did you let it go? That we way? had a limited amount simply because we didn't have time, and those moments in which I felt were unsound not true to what we were doing, then I would make changes and go in and suggest them. And they, they would listen and, and probably do it. And we did improvise a bit, you know, on the set. What projects are you working on now? Are you still doing Family Guy in a... Yeah, I do another Family Guy, I think, on Monday. And uh, I've got a new book I'm working on, and then I, I've already committed to two uh, series. 
because, uh, well, I've done the scissors, and they're out there now in the marketplace. They're trying to sell them, get them going. So there's always, you know, something. And yeah, thanks, Fred, and my new comic book. Isn't that amazing? I come full circle. <laughs> Playing a comic book character, now having my own comic book. It's very interesting stuff. It's, no, it's well done. It's just amazing stuff in there. Who wants one? Oh, you got one. They all got And he's getting his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame 2012. That's about six to eight months from now. Yeah, finally recognized. How many of your heroes sets did you used to do for the show, and, and what was your favorite stunt that you did? Well, I had a very good uh, stunt gaffer or stunt double, uh, the late Hubie Kearns. And Hubie did most of my long shots and things where you get knocked off balconies and, you know, whatever, because you're not very good for the next close-up. And we, the way we work... Hubie and I would study the scene in the script, what was required, and then Hubie and I would work out some of the choreography that I wanted or thought was appropriate, Then Hubie would go in and fine-tune it with all the stunt guys so that they knew what they were doing. And, you know, they rehearsed those things like a, a, a dance. And then I would come in after they were through and go through it with them, and then I'd, of course, let Hubie do all the stuff where I might be, you know, damaged and not be able to film, it, whatever. And then I'd come in for the mediums and the close-ups. Now, as Bruce Wayne in the Batman movie, I did all of that. Um, simply because I would have been, it would have been, I would have been exposed <laughs> as not having that. What was it like dealing with three different women playing the same role of cat? That's interesting. Um, to work with three different cat women or cats or women or whatever. Um, you know, I worked with Julie first and the most. But you use what you have available. Lee Merriweather was wonderful. She's a very good actress. And Lee was brought in at the last minute to do the movie, the feature. So she, she's so lovely and such a nice person that, how can I say this really? I, I trust all of them, Arthur Kent, they were all lovely people and really good performers. So, you know, it was my great pleasure to have that opportunity to work with them as it was with all of our members. What would Evil Shandell say, who was Liberace? That was Liberace. Remember Liberace? Yeah. It, it was fun because he'd walk around the set every day trying to be tough. Now, Liberace couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> he'd say, Hi, Batman. How you doing? <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> Do you stay friends with all the other Thanks, gang. Oh, oh, I'm, sure. I'm sorry. That's okay. Sure, everybody. You know, pretty much, yeah. So you guys but there aren't too many of us left, you know. <laughs> and it's like Shatner and I are the only I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Best of luck. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
Can I get a quick good, good to see you all. Comic? Can I get a photo? You can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want me to do? No, no, I'll take a. Oh, okay. Oh, this is very exciting stuff. <laughs> Thank you. You bet. Thanks, gang. Thank you. Would you please sign this over down here? Rick, R I C K. It's still developing. You must be a bit ridiculous. Look what you've got over there. Oh, my goodness. Can you write on that? Can you draw? Show me. You can draw? Ah. Let me see. Somebody smells good. What are you doing with that thing? Just right. Mm. Oh, I see. Oh, there we are. Oh, where did it go? I don't know. <laughs> He's the genius. Hello. You look adorable. Oh, thank you. Can I get a picture? I haven't seen one of those. <laughs> In 35 years. <laughs> in a long time. Where do you get the film for it? Uh, Impossible Projects. Impossible now. Projects? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're making their own film, actually. This is a, really? a black and white film I've got in here. Is that right? Yeah. You like to do close-ups? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I want to see it. I put on a makeup that should be seen from another room. That's <laughs> all good. Well, I thought you know you had this big audience. I was I was forgetting about our our immediate intimacies. Yes. You're gonna go that way? Oh no! Anybody speak? Come on, you're just whenever you have something to say. Let's hear it. What's it like being a, a sexual icon for so long? Over 45 years. Like being a sexual icon. I, icons are dead people. The sex is wonderful. Um, hmm. That's a, a bizarre question. Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, <laughs> like you were my my first. Like you as Catwoman. Like, what makes something sexy? That's a very good question. Ah, is it the way you feel? What does something happen to your body temperature? Do you eat more popcorn when you're sitting there? <laughs> Interesting thought, huh? That's did you did you try to be sexy as Catwoman? Did you bring that as a subtext into it? Sometimes I think sometimes, but um, it, it, it's. I think there was a bit more taunt than tantalized, tantalization, you know what I mean? You ever seen a cat play with a, a bird that is just caught? Shakes it, and it shakes it here, and then it shakes it there, then it runs over to you, and it, and it shakes it, say, look what I got, look what, and there's this, this poor bird that's there, you know what I mean? That, it, 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 it was more like that. Sex is something you don't think about, you let happen. You get ready for it. You you wash in all the right places. You know. And then you just sort of you talk about oddities. 
You have a very nice face. Where are you from? I'm from Colorado. Uh, my name is Rick Dement. I'm with Portraits.com, Polaroid Portraits. Really? Oh. What brings you here? What brings you to, to Comic-Con? Just covering the world of entertainment. Do you have a magazine? Do you have, I have a, a, a website? Have, you have a website. Yeah. Is it growing? It is. Uh huh. Can you send it to me? I can. I can write it to Oh, Here, I've got a copy. Well, no, you got it. You, you just go it. to julienewmar.com. It's on, right on there. And you send it to me. Would you do that? I will. Yes, it's actually. There you have my personal private. <laughs> Interior. I'd love yes. to see that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rick DeMint. Portroid. A portroid artist. Diane, where are you from? From the Flickcast in uh, Burbank. Okay. Um, do you like? Did you like playing a character, a female character that was neither good nor bad? Yes. What did you like about that? Did it give you more freedom in the role? Oh, this it's it's richer. You know, it's as if you could throw yourself into something and you you can do no wrong. You follow me? If you have to just be good or just be a soprano or just you know, then you got to watch yourself all the time. But, no, it was great fun. Yeah. And Mike Rob, Cox Radio. You were, were truly, I mean, not to take off what we said before, but you, you and, and both Adam and Bert were truly icons of, of what was really an innovative piece of television. Lucky us. It was something that was, yeah. was absolutely... It was something that was on uh, you know, twice a week, which was unheard of at that time. And at one point in time, it was literally the hottest thing in the in the country. Everybody wanted to be on that show. Yeah, they did. What experience, as, as the distance has happened in, in time, what experience do you most remember about that as being your favorite part of it? What's, what was your, the most joy in that, in that time for you? All of it, really. Of course, they lied. They didn't do any stunts at all. <laughs> Tons. And Catwoman, she would sit off to the side and she'd hang an emery board and she'd be falling her nails. You know, watching this mayhem take place. Cat's too smart to, to get wet or get get injured. Good heavens, no. So other than playing the hundred the eighty year old woman, hmm. I, I, ah here's what happens today. People I have a second book. This is the first book there. The second book that's coming out that's, that's uh, called First Fantasies. And it comes, really it comes out of the Batman show. Because men would walk up to me on the street and they would say, Oh, Miss Newmar, did you know that you were my first turn-off? Yes, my goodness, my goodness. And I'd be a little put off there, you know, in the beginning. But finally I learned to, to ask them, and how old were you? And the, the answer was four, uh, five. Now, isn't that interesting? I don't like the word turn on, but I mean it's something that connects to this atavistic learning that we have that continues on in life and if you first fell in love with a brunette or a blonde usually 20 years some years later that's the girl that you marry or it's very
very interesting these stories that are told to me from this one experience. Yes. Inigo Figuracion from About.com. Yes. Um, I cover San Diego, so obviously covering what's going on Spanish. in San Diego. Spanish. Yeah. Yes. Um, along that, that vein, um, I was wondering, as you played Chapel, and you knew kind of the audience was largely younger, um, with, with adults, but uh, you know, I grew up watching the show. Were you aware of the sexiness you were bringing? Everyone refers to you as the sexy cat woman, but I think as a, as a kid watching it, it wasn't coming across that way. When, when you mentioned how men were saying, you know, they were Well, I think that that's them. something that, that people read into it. Right. Because you're not really, really playing that. Now, it's very interesting that you say that it's kids that watch, but, and yes, some adults. But really, everyone watched with one exception. There's a period in time, I think it's between about 9 and 12, somewhere in there, where, where kids all of a sudden learn that, you know, Santa Claus is not real, and things, a lot of things that I grew up with, i got to relearn now. And there's that sort of, don't tell me, it's my own truth now, that kind of period. And that was the only group of people that, that didn't get turned on by uh, the show. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Anne Hathaway is going to play the new Catwoman. Yes. Movie. What advice would you give to her on playing Catwoman? Never give advice to anyone. <laughs> you start from fresh and do your own thing and, and let it happen to you. Is the best way to be really, really good. And hopefully, you know, the director's good, but this is good, it's witty, it's, uh, you know, the lighting is good. All that stuff, all the ancillary things. Mm. Mm. You all got all this equipment here, and I. <laughs> Everybody's plugged in. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to talk about your book? Oh, no. It, it, well, <laughs> the first of four books that I've written just came out two, two days ago. It, 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 it'll be in. in, in um, where is it? What do they sell it? Um, uh, I'm sorry, what? Where do they, where do they sell books? Chapters. Amazon. 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 Oh, no. Yeah, in about four or eight weeks, yes. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a how-to book because girls would come up to me and say, you know, how do you look this, that, and the other, and it's all in there, all the secrets. What bad question, God, ladies and bad gentlemen? <laughs> I thought you were disrupting us. <laughs> Anybody else have a question? Yeah. That's like your mother when you uh, get out of bed in the morning. Um, did you ever, um, what was your favorite, uh, I guess, like gadget on the show? Or, I didn't have the gadget. Or, they had the gadgets. Or what was your favorite uh, uh, practical, because you did a lot of practical, they did a lot of practical effects in the show oh, back in the day. What yeah. was your favorite? Well, I love the scene where where, Adam, where Batman is standing there, and it's in the first show, and all the spikes are coming out of the walls, you know. Oh, kids love this. And the walls move closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. Of course, they're made of rubber. Very good. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Isn't that cool? Oh my god! Hey, would you sign that for him? Oh my like god! What's his first name? Do you want your... I don't know. I didn't get there yet. Yes, he, he gave us a card. Oh, what's your name? Rick. Rick! Amazing! Sorry, put your card away. It's all right. That looks really cool. Yeah, I like, I like how these, these come out. What is that, man? The Flickcast is an entertainment um, sci-fi movie uh, news website. And, and, and oh, so, so what you do is you do interviews and stuff like that. Maybe take some pictures. You put it on the website. Yes, yeah, like yes, yeah, articles and it's videocast. And then how how do people know about it to come onto your website? I mean, I imagine you have a certain number of followers, but yeah. how do how do new people find out about it? Um, advertising. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, advertising. Advertising. yeah, links from other sites. I see. Cox, right? Oh, now isn't that based in? Is it in Florida? Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, Cox, me. That's right. Cox. Oh, that's great. Newspapers, radio, and television. Oh, I know. Yeah, Cox is a huge. And and you still have the cable television. And cable yeah. too. So we got you coming go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's great. And you're I'm, I'm Molly Mahan. I'm with Geekscape.net. With what? Geekscape. It's a small geek culture website. Okay. Yeah, we have a booth here. So great. Great. I'm Rick DeMint. I'm with Portroids.com, Polaroid Portraits. Oh, great. Great. All right. Good. All right. So um, anybody can ask whenever they want. Um, what do you think? Um, do you still have, like, children come up to you, like, who watch the show, like, in reruns? What do you think of the show being on so long in reruns? How the audience just grows? You, you know, if you do something that connects with your audience, if you connect, you know, it's not always to connect in a way that they like it, but if you connect with the audience, it becomes really timeless. Something that's really funny, pretty much, you know, is going to always be funny. There was such a uniqueness to our show because, and I explained this to some other people, at the time when we were making Batman, Everything that came on was, quote, as you saw it. In other words, Ben Casey, MD, you know, it's serious medical, and, and or it's a police show, and you know what I mean, Adam 12, and all these kinds of things. Whereas Batman, when we came on, and we first looked at the script, you know, we said, gee, you know, it, it was a little hard for us to understand, but then we got the, the gist of it, Adam and I, that this was written so that children would take it seriously with hero worship. And three, three, three audiences we were chasing. The kids with the hero worship, the adults with the nostalgia of remembering reading a comic book when they were kids, and then that very elusive audience that during this period of time no one could get. And that's the teenagers and the college kids. It, television couldn't get them. And at the time, there was only two networks. It was CBS and NBC. ABC was an independent broadcaster, and between Batman and Bewitched, we made ABC the third network. That was how popular a show a show that comes on that clicks with people change can change everything you know for that network. What were your ratings? We were we just to give you an idea. I only know the first night. Okay. We had a 55 share, which according to the way it's been described to me, that of all the TV sets that were on they, in the United States at the time, 55% were watching Batman 
and 45% were watching combined of the other program. Yeah. yeah, really, it was special. And you know, I didn't see the show before it aired. In other words, when you're in that, you know what I mean, and you're doing everything in pieces. You know, it's like 30 seconds here, a minute here. Oh, okay, let's go, Batman, you know, and you drive <laughs> off, right? But then when you saw it assembled, I mean, they added the graphics. And I remember sitting on a little couch, you know, in a little apartment, first night when the show came on, I watched it and said, oh, this is really good. This is really good. You know, I think people are going to like it. But it wasn't until three months later when I actually went out on my first personal appearance to meet where I met people. See, I was just like, you know, going to a studio every day. I was the youngest person on the set. I was 20 years old, 21, I take it back. And like the closest person in age to me on the set, the youngest guy was like 39 or 40, right? And I was like a kid, you know? And uh, so for me, and everything was so serious, and this and that, you, you know what I mean? It, it, was, it was work. And for me, I was like a kid in the candy store having fun. This was fun to me. So when I made my first personal appearance, which happened to be at the B&I Circus Store, uh, in Tacoma, Washington, in I think it was March or April of 1966, they had 310,000 people that showed up on a Saturday and Sunday just to meet me. Adam was doing an appearance somewhere else. And I had rented the University of Washington football team as my bodyguards, the first 22 guys, and the first, you know, 11 guys offense and 11 guys defense, 22 guys. And I'll tell you a funny story that happened. Well, first of all, people were camping out. You couldn't get within six blocks of that mall store from Wednesday on. People were camping out, okay? And when, when, when I made that appearance, it was just like such pandemonium. They had, I heard, over $150,000 of damage to the store. I mean, and people weren't rioting. I mean, just you're just talking about people pushing and shoving and this falling off and that falling off. Tremendous amount of damage. And it was tremendous. I mean, I couldn't believe the reaction. It's, it's hard when you see something like this to really understand. Why? Why are they so nuts over this? But it clicked. But I want to share one funny thing that happened. I got all these bodyguards, and I'm walking down this, you know, all these malls are kind of wide open space. I'm walking down this thing onto going to where I'm going to be signing. You didn't even have time to sign, just shake hands. Stuff like that. Anyway. There was these two elderly ladies coming up the other side, and I don't think they'd ever watch Batman, you know? So here I'm walking in this costume down there, and they see me, and one lady turns to the other and says, Hmm, damn hippie. <laughs> True story. I laughed. I couldn't believe that. I mean, you know, and they're obviously not a hippie at all, but, but you know, that's what they perceived a hippie to be. So, who else has got questions? Uh, I have a question for you regarding uh, the catchphrase, the Robin catchphrase that, that essentially is still used to this day, you know, holy something or other oh, Batman. Oh, yeah. Somebody said that to me today. I mean, it wasn't even yeah. the holy Toledo or something, yeah. you know? It's, uh, yeah, you know, again, what, what happened was is that we had some great writers who... who Played with the show. In other words, they said, "Okay, let's do something different. Let's let's gamble. It could fall on its face, or it could be a big hit. Let's do something different." But what Adam and I basically did, we take something that's written on a piece of paper, and we got to bring it to life. How, how do we make it? How do we make it believable? 
you know, within the context of believing that, you know, Batman or Robin. And how do we, how do we make more of it than it is? And that was the job that we had to do to take something that was just words on a, on a thing and bring it to life. And, um, and we, each of us in our own way, experimented in our, in our minds with, well, I could do it this way, I could do it that way, what about this? And what happened is, from trial and error and, and seemingly looking for what works, you know what I mean? You, you, you know, you're doing something and you struggle with finally, oh, gee, I, I got it to work, you know? Once we found what was working, then we maximize that. Then we just go for it. You know what I mean? It's like this is the path. You know, let's just barrel down that highway. And that's what we did, and it worked. And then, therefore, what happened is when I would accentuate, you know, what I mean, like holy this or holy that, right? You know, and and and, and it became. It wasn't just the words; it was the presentation of those words that people found unusual. You know. When uh, DC Comics killed off Robin in like 1988, did that have any effect on you as the original? No. 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 And the reason why, I never read the comic book Batman. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. I, when I was a kid, growing up in Beverly Hills, my father was uh, in real estate. Actually, I started as the world's youngest professional ice skater at age two. My father owned a traveling ice show called Rhapsody on Ice. And I was working at age two. And on my website, our Gentle Giants Rescue, which is our, our dog rescue website, I have pictures, some of the pictures of me as a kid, two years old on a skate. But I never read, I never knew of Batman. I only knew of Superman. And I wanted to be, I, see, I, there's a certain logic when you're a kid. I knew I wasn't a grown-up. I'm a kid, right? Yeah. So I couldn't be Superman, but I could be Superboy. <laughs> so at three years of age, I, I'm riding a tricycle. My mother had pictures still to this day of a bath towel with a clothespin. You know what I mean? Riding a tricycle, wanting to be Superboy. I would come, I, I, when I come home from school, both in, uh, you know, like in elementary school and even junior high, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was just kind of like off to myself and always kind of like in a dream world. But I would get this ball and, and I had a wall. And every afternoon I'd get out there and I'd kick this ball against the wall and then run over and kick it again. And, you know what I mean? It's like somebody kind of playing tennis with themselves. And I would daydream this, that, fighting these people. And you know something? Thoughts are things. I have to believe that the intensity of my thoughts ultimately drew me to that. Because when I look back at my screen test, which you can go right on the internet and see, you know something? It's like, I went for it. In other words, if you look, it, it was really good. I mean, it was really good. I mean, I'd be thrilled to do that today. It was just totally into Adam, right into this, into the character, without any worry about what's going to come out. Oh, wait, I got to about the, um, the episode Bruce Lee in it. How, um, how awesome was that the shoot? Did you learn any news from him? What was that? Bruce Lee and I were like? personal friends before that episode. He lived in the same condominium complex that I did. And we used to spar together. I'm a black belt karate, and he was a great martial artist. We would spar together. And at the time, Brandon, his son, was only six months old. And his wife and I, and, uh, and, and Brandon, and then at the time I was married, 
uh, we'd drive into Chinatown and we'd go out for dinner like well, every couple of weeks. And he would order all the authentic stuff, but we would spar together. And he was a great martial artist. This is a guy who trained eight hours a day, every day of the week. And, you know, his death was such a sad, so sad, so much, you know, he had to give to the world. And he gave a lot, but there was so much that could have still happened. You haven't asked anything yet. Oh, that's, thank you for noticing. That's okay. Well, my, I was going to go back a, a step from where you were to ask how you actually came to the world. <clears throat> I was, uh, I was going to UCLA. Um, I, I was studying to be an actor. I, I had a professional class, you know, where I was going, and then in, and went to, I was going to UCLA, and I had been through their initial acting class, and then I was turned down for the advanced acting class. Right? Very political, even in those days, you know. I mean, in a college, it turned out I thought it was political, so um, I felt bad about that, and. Um, I was selling houses. I got. I was the third youngest person in California to get a real estate license. I got it at age 18. My father was at the Soli I show and got into real estate. And I just learned it. You know, I didn't even have to take a course in it. You know, I mean, I knew the information. Passed the test. I was helping my dad. I'd sit on houses on the weekend. You know, people come in and you show them the house. And one of the houses that I, I, somebody came in and bought was a producer named Saul David who produced um, the Our Man Flint Pictures, Von Ryan's Express, Skullduggery. And I asked him if I could do a scene for him. He said yes. And I did a scene. He said, you know, uh, he says, I, you know, I, I think you've got talent. I'd like to see if I can help you. I said, geez, even if you could help me get extra work. And he said, no, no, no. You never want to be an extra because the minute you become an extra, you will never be an actor. I'm going to send you to an agent, right? And 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 and, and I'm going to try to help you get that agent. So he sends me to this agent. So I go to see this agent who says to me, he says, "Look, I got so many actors here, I can't get any work for." Them. So I'm going to take you because Saul David asked me to do it. But don't expect to work for at least a year. And if you do get a job. You're lucky if you have one sentence that you can say. Jeez, you know. First, first thing they sent me out for was a part problem. Um, last question, guys. Uh, well, so no, based on all that, the show was, I mean, absolutely red hot. As you talk about the ratings at the time. And yet, you know, yet it flamed out or seemed to, the network seemed to lose interest in it quickly. Within just a couple, three years. Yet, we've seen it. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what really happened. You what really happened. Let me tell you what really happened. Very upset. The first two years, we had all these directors, and they were very creative, and everybody tried to make the best show possible. They were losing $300,000 a week in making Batman. Uh, and they're 1966, 300,000 a week is like three million a week now. We had an assistant director. I mean, not an assistant, uh, uh, he was a unit production manager. You know, like the money guy to watch the budgets and stuff. And he convinced the producers to let him direct an episode with the promise that he would bring everything in on budget or he wouldn't get paid. So they let him do it. And what happened? He wasn't a creative guy. Jokes. Only he laughed at the jokes. We fought it, Adam and I, as best we could. Ended up, you know, where the guy didn't like me because of me saying, you know, please, you're destroying our show. And that's what happened. 
Amazing story. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.